welcome to the Lost at Home podcast. Here are your hosts, Scott Bear and Jeremiah Johnson. Well, she's a liar. Well, yeah, but that's a pre-recorded message. So, um, yeah, this week we have uh, myself, Scott. And I'm Bruce Bruce. Uh, I just want to, or people might be a little taken aback by uh, hearing my voice, but uh, as opposed to uh, skipping a week, I was going to come in and do a, a couple of dingo droppings anyway, but I'm kind of stepping off the bench here and uh, doing a little bit of the extra show. Jeremiah wasn't feeling great. Uh, he was able to uh, step in for the uh, interview, which we'll mention coming up later. But um, I'm just going to here to, to, to help out, maybe add a little bit of color, and uh, not to tease it a, a, a little bit or be a spoiler there, but we got some dingo droppings coming up later too. Yep, and uh, in the meantime, we have a amazing interview with Anna Maria Leonte, who was in Star Wars The Force Awakens. She played uh, a settler in Jakku named Dasha Permenti. And uh, before we get into that, we have a little bit of housekeeping to do, uh, as we do most weeks. First of all, I want to shout out to the Pottern family on Twitter, uh, hashtag Pottern family. It's loosely knit group of uh, podcasters who all use that same hashtag to promote and help each other out. Uh, this week, I'd like to give a quick shout out to two podcasts that are within the family, uh, at Epic Film Guys. Uh, do a great podcast about movies that actually I'm quite fond of. And also we have Classy Little Podcast, which you can find on Twitter at Classy underscore podcast. And they do a show that's kind of a, a bit of a topic-based weekly thing, and they love to drink while they do it. And it's kind of humorous to kind of to play the alcohol off the topics, uh, if you know what I mean. Uh, so yeah, definitely give both those shows a check out, and if you're looking for something fun to listen to, uh, go to Twitter and type in hashtag pot, uh, Family, and from that hashtag, you'll see upwards, I think we're almost up to 60 shows now, uh, broad spectrum of things, uh, comedy, news, film, a- anything you could possibly look for. Just go out there and support these guys. We're part of it, we, we support it, and we love those guys, so... Just help everyone out. That's what we do. Absolutely. Um, I myself am not exactly a part of it, but uh, being a part of this show, I feel like I'm part of the family myself, actually. So uh, I've got to agree there. Uh, uh, when when the ban is lifted on podcasts in, uh, in Australia, I, I plan on actually uh, downloading a few of them myself. And uh, before we jump into the interview, I also have to plug our sponsor, at HeroCrate on Twitter and HeroCrate.com will both bring you to a wonderful subscription box site where you get a monthly subscription box full of geeky goodness. Uh, HeroCrate and its sister, Crate, uh, Villain Crate, give you a very specifically themed crate each month. They pick a superhero or villain, and it could be Luke Skywalker, it could be the Punisher, it could be Super Mario, it doesn't matter. Uh, but what does matter is if you use our offer code Lost at Home all one word, at checkout, you get a good discount on us, and every purchase from them helps support the show. So head on over to HeroCrate.com. I, I do want to make sure you just point out here, uh, not to get, people might not get this, uh, my Australian listeners here, don't get this mixed up with Koala Box. Koala Box is a very different service where you sit, you, you sent uh, one Koala in a box every 45 minutes, and uh, they're very often arrived dead. And uh, you should not, actually, I, I repeat, should not uh, sign up for that service. It's very detrimental to the call of population, which sometimes is good, but it's sometimes is bad as well. And honestly, it's mainly you just don't want a, a bunch of uh, dead callers showing up to your house. Do not sign up for Caller Box, but uh, uh, here a crater here is very well. 
All right, and uh, with those wise, wise words, let us, uh, without further ado, head right on into the interview. Let's learn a little bit about Star Wars The Force Awakens. We are here at Anna Marie Leonte of Star Wars The Force Awakens. I'm pretty sure a few of our listeners have heard of that movie. It's a small indie flick that came out of the U.S. recently. Uh, Anna Maria has been kind enough to sit with us and talk today about her role in the movie as Dasha Permenti. Uh, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. Thank you very much for having me, and hello to everyone. Now, uh, for starters, I'm always curious when I talk to someone who's acted in any role in any film, uh, how did you start? How did you actually uh, begin your journey? Um, it started very early in life. Um, it started when I was five years old, and I had a predilection towards various forms of art. I was interested in dance, then I moved towards drawing, then I started to write poetry, and then when I went to high school, I secretly went to an audition for, um, for, for an acting school, and then I started to do acting parallel to my studies. Then I moved to, um, to high school, and then... Um, um, then I went to university, and then at university I worked as a casting agent for a Milanese company, a modeling um, agency, and then I worked with them on the commercial side. And then before doing a master degree, I took one year gap, and that's when I joined the Bubble Theatre, and now I am with Sylvia Young Theatre here in London. Very nice. Um, I, I'm hoping this wasn't a translation issue with your accent, but did you say you secretly went to an audition? I did, yes. Because secretly? My, yes, I left home at a very early age. Um, I left home at uh, the age of 14 to, um, for a better education, to, to go to high school, because I was born somewhere in, in, in the mountains, so we didn't have a high school there. So I had to leave for high school, and I felt so independent that I actually went for an audition. My parents didn't know, and then I told my mother, and she was happy. So I was happy they allowed me to do this part-time. They were a bit worried, but um, as long you know, as my studies didn't have to suffer, you know, Every parent is a bit worried about that, which mm -hmm. is normal, but I made my best not to disappoint them, and more importantly, not to disappoint myself. Oh, that's great. Uh, I guess that leads us directly into how did you get involved specifically with Star Wars The Force Awakens? Yes, it all started with Bubble Theatre, so we had some performances in the community, and my colleagues from Bubble Theatre, they recommended me to apply for um, a role in a movie. And I went to the audition, they auditioned me, the movie director auditioned me, and then I did not know at the time that I'm auditioning for a role that requires a very specific type of British accent, which I did not have, and I don't have at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Could have fooled me, and yeah. <laughs> exactly, and then I got a rejection. And at the time, I was reading this book about how to be a good actor, a good actress. And they said, you know, you should be very happy that you got auditioned because people are very busy and even going to an audition is an opportunity. So I went back to them and I told them, thank you very much for taking your time. And actually, the movie director back then responded to my email and he said, you know what, you were the only one that responded positively, even though you were rejected. So if you want, you can come and join us and tag along with us. So you, you can imagine, I was very happy. So I went with them and I helped them on set. I met the cast and then that's how I met the main actor, uh, Jack Walters, who then two years after this experience 
send me a Facebook message just out of the blue telling me, Hi, Anna Maria, they're looking for um, people, um, this company are looking for people uh, with your skills and your looks. Um, why don't you see if you can get to the role? I had no clue with Star Wars. I went to the audition with the casting agency. There were so many people. You can't believe that for a, such a small role, so many people auditioned. And I thought I would never take it. But then deep down myself, there was this wish to make it. And I said, let's go till the end and see what happens. And then I received a message from them that I passed the audition. And then I had to go to Pioneer Studio. Um, I had to wear the makeup, to wear the clothes. And I think what is very important that we actually had to look alike, like a family, all the villages. So even the type of skin, the type of eyes, um, how you looked did impact this. And then I was happy that, you know, I received an answer that I passed it and I'm going to be in this production. They didn't tell me the name and I found out I discovered it was Star Wars when I saw one of the stormtroopers at the at this audition as well. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So you literally went on set like blind and then were like, oh my God, I'm in Star Wars. <laughs> yes, that's how, oh, it wow. that's how it happened for the majority of us actually. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, there was so much secrecy around that film. I mean, now that it's out, they're starting to break that secrecy and let us know, like, you know, <laughs> people behind the scenes weren't allowed to go home with, you know, their work, etc. It's just fascinating to know, like, it was on that level. Yes, we had to sign the contract. And more than that, I think it was very important not to tell anyone. My parents didn't know. Um, I, I had to tell my CEO at the time, and they were so happy. They said, Anna Maria... I give you time off. Go and do this. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a reason to give somebody st uh, time off, it's it's yeah. for Star Wars, for crying yeah, out. I mean, just, other just than me just asking Wars. for a day off so I can go see it, which doesn't exactly fly every time. But uh, when you're actually going to be in it, I think that's a different story. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. But they were very happy. And it's really, it's really beautiful to see, you know, people around you supporting you. I had my colleagues at the Bubble Theater. Then I had Jake, from, Jake Walters, uh, the actor who sent me this casting, this audition. Then, you know, people at, um, at, at, at work. So, you know, it's really beautiful to see this, um, th this, this people coming together and helping you to achieve something. Well, it's also really nice to see that there's like that right. humble attitude uh, in that respect of uh, of of being appreciative for people's time and actually like thanking somebody for even getting rejected can actually go somewhere and that you can actually get like positive uh, kind of a positive results from actually staying positive and being humble and realizing that and seeing that actually work out for somebody as opposed to, you know, like, oh, whoever's the biggest jerk wins or whatever and will get ahead that, you know, you were actually uh, rewarded for being positive and, and maintaining a positive attitude there. Yeah, I think, you know, in this, um, in this job, being an actor, it's very important to be very persistent, but also be very polite and be polite and be respectful towards other, to, towards your colleagues, towards, you know, people who introduce you to the industry. Because at the end of the day, it's a very small world and everything you do does have, you know, a boomerang effect on you. Sooner or later, it will come back to you and it will come in a positive or in a negative way, depending on what you do. So, you know, we go back to Star Wars, it's the force. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Um now, when you were on set, and I guess I have to ask this first of all, was it on location or were you at Pinewood Studios only? It was on an, op it was an open air set um, and it was at Pinewood Studios where um, the iconic British movie James Bond was shot as well. So you feel really privileged to be there among these actors. Oh, definitely. And 
Yes, yes, yes. So we, we had a great time there. Um, the set was gorgeous and incredibly real. Um, the sad thing for me was, however, that I was born in a place with a, ve a lot of vegetation, with lush uh, green vegetation. So it felt a bit sad that my character was in such a deserted place. However, I think this is very important for the story because it puts more emphasis on the family, on the villagers standing um, together in front of, you know, the invasion of the stormtroopers. And this makes everything more dramatic, more apocalyptic, if you want to call it that way. Yeah, I actually, I picked up a copy of uh, Star Wars The Visual Dictionary, and I, I'm actually amazed that you're in it. You're, you have a very <laughs> prominent uh, page in that book, and it explains a little bit about the background of, like, your your character's family, why they're there, that they're uh, worshippers of the Force, but that they don't practice any Jedi-type skills. And I, I just like that they fleshed it out in that sense, when I, like, I could literally open a book that's on my shelf right now and there's, there's a picture of you. <laughs> Thank you very much. I, I have to, to be... I don't know, I, I want to, if I can, I would like to use this opportunity to thank very much to pa uh, Pablo Hidalgo. Pablo is like the, the guardian angel of Star Wars, and he is the one who has uh, been writing the Star Wars stories and the book, the Visual Dictionary as well. So I'm really thankful to him. Oh, absolutely. I'm a, I'm a fan of his work. I've bought pretty much everything that he's written so far. And I, I got to say, if I could get him on our show, I would love to. But he's a busy man right now. He's a very <laughs> he busy is, man. Maybe, yes, maybe if you come to London, there will be a Star Wars show in July. So maybe if you come to London, maybe we can meet him face to face. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Dream. I, I got some vacation time to use. I got, let's yep. do it. <laughs> and London is quite a beautiful place in uh, in July, you know, there is no rain, so... <laughs> <laughs> Now, um, speaking of other prominent names in uh, the movie Star Wars, J.J. Abrams, the director, um, obviously was on set. Uh, did you have any personal interactions with him? Did you have any uh, time where you know he directed you specifically? Yes, I think we were very, um, very lucky and very happy to be um, directed by J.J. Um, our scene, we were told that our scene is going to dictate the, uh, the tone of the entire movie. So J.J. was very keen that every single move of every single character, no matter how big or small the role is in this movie, it's made almost close to perfection. Perfection, when I say perfection, I mean um, his idea of the movie, what he wanted to, to convey. Um, so it was very kind and very humble to see a man with so much experience uh, come to you and ask you, I think it was kind of him to ask me, how many languages do you speak? Um, I feel like uh, C-3PO when, when he says I'm fluent in over 4 million forms of communication. I think he says four, uh, 6, uh, but I'm fluent in 4. So, you know, uh, maybe speaking other languages does help sometimes. And uh, JJ also... Um, came to us and he directed us in the scene where Lor Santeca um, is killed by Kylo Ren. And I do remember I actually cried in that scene because it's so dramatic, it's so ap uh, apocalyptical. And um, all the scenes were shot during the night, which made everything even more, um, they emphasized even more the, the gravity of the situation in which all the villagers were in the movie. Yeah, I've, I've uh, gone to see the movie twice myself now, and that <laughs> opening scene really does set the whole movie. I actually marveled the second time I watched it 
at looking at all the background characters, anyone in the background, there's very specific things happening. Even though your eyes are being told to look at the foreground, to look at, you know, Poe or, or Lawrence, uh, I always mispronounce Lawrence his name. Hunting. Yes. And uh, even though that's happening in the background, there's very specific actions happening that set the tone perfectly, like villagers being dragged away, uh, being summarily executed. It's, yeah, I hope in the long version of the movie we're going to see more of this. Oh, uh, if, if they actually put in like the deleted scenes? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> I'm actually looking forward to that. I pre-ordered my copy of the Blu-ray yesterday, so I'm really hoping they put as many deleted scenes as they can in there. I want to see everything they hit the, the editing room floor. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> I need to order that as well. <laughs> Now, um, Star Wars is very, very well known overall for taking any character that appears on screen and immortalizing it in plastic. Uh, action figures are a huge thing all the way back to 1977. And today, like, they, they will make a character of every robot, every, you know, actor. Uh, at some point, do you, do you have your fingers crossed that maybe you'll, you'll put on your shelf a little you? Uh, fingers crossed. We, we, we shall see. I mean, I think there are... There are definitely more women characters in this movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I see lots of uh, you know on Twitter at least uh, lots of uh, little girls feeling empowered, and you know they, they truly love this movie. I mean, who hasn't heard of Star Wars? I I know I know friends who told me that their nephews they literally cried, and they are only two years old. And I think when you talk about Star Wars, the theme, uh, the music. It, it plays a, an important role as well for, for a little child who might not understand um, the language, let's say, if it's um, seen in a different country. But even if you um, see the movie on mute, it still conveys that message. And I think, you know, if my character will be immortalized in plastic, um, it will be both an honor, but it will also be, you know, a bit scary because you have so much weight on your shoulders and you hope to, you know, to be able to deliver it to the fans because it's a huge community out there. And especially children, they are like amazing. They're crazy about this. Absolutely. Uh, my daughter's eight and uh, she went to see it with me twice and she just loves it. She's she's through the roof about it. Uh, I don't think I got that same reaction from her from showing her the previous six movies. Yes, I've been told that as well. Um, funnily enough, I have a friend, she has a two years old um, and he already has all the, the, the stormtroopers, you know, and all the other characters. And he told uh, her mother told him, "Do you know Anna Maria is in Star Wars? She's Dasha Permenti, and she showed him the book. You should have seen his eyes. Like you know, for that child to really <laughs> believe that you know, actually Dasha Permenti does exist in reality. And someone else um, asked me, "Would you mind meeting my son? He really, he really is asking me, does Dasha Permenti really exist in reality? So you know, oh, it's a work that's for awesome. them." <laughs> yes. Now, while you were on set, I, I'm always curious about this because you see a lot of like uh, behind the scenes works with films, and there's always like those moments where mistakes happen and you know pratfalls on set happen, whether they're planned or not. Uh, I'm just curious, like you know, during the Jakku village setting scenes, were there any of those moments that maybe you could share with us? Of course, one is actually related to my dress. So at the beginning, when we are running away, we're seeing in the distance the stormtroopers approaching our village. And we have to run away to announce the other villages. I actually 
I actually fall twice because my dress is too long. So they had to come with a pair of scissors to cut my dress. <laughs> but it was really funny and it was really nice and kind of the team to come and constantly check if I'm okay. But you know, this kind of things falling down and it was a lot of sand, you didn't get hurt at all. It does remind you of that time when you were a child and you felt so many times and you had no problem whatsoever. <laughs> So there, actually, there is actually a story behind Dasha Promente's pistol. So all the villagers go and then we have to pick up our weapon. And you know, there are these uh, rifles, these pistols, and you know, first come, first served. And it, the majority of us picked the biggest rifle, the most dangerous one. And I did the same, right? Monkey says, monkey do. I picked this rifle that is so long and actually I was on the point of falling down and someone from the from from the team comes and you know from the movie team comes and says mm, no this is actually not really good for you why don't you take this pistol it does you too much better i have to say i didn't really like it <laughs> but i have to be you know to to thank this person very much because without this blaster pistol there wouldn't be any dasha promenti now so you know everything does happen for a reason oh that's great <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, your character itself um, was part of the massacre in the film, but do you know uh, definitively if your character is indeed dead or if it lived? Well, you asked me this. I had to keep this as a secret for two years, so I couldn't disclose um, this. I think if the fans would like to find out, there is more to be seen in Star Wars number eight, but I could never disclose a secret, uh -huh. especially the one related to Star Wars. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. You signed those papers. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's a little more important than our little podcast. That's fine, yeah. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> um, and I guess uh, to wrap up, uh, what's next for you? So I'm trying at the moment to balance my love for technology and for, for drama, for acting. So um, I feel that, you know, if let's say I don't do something related to technology, I feel that I let uh, down my intellect. But if I don't do something related to art, I feel my soul is literally suffering. So it's a tough one, you know, because you, it's tough to balance it. It's tough to make people, you know, around you understand that they are both equally important to you. Uh, but I'm trying to do that now. I'm currently working on diction with someone from the BBC. And I'm very thankful for this opportunity. And I'm currently with Sylvia Young Theatre. And I would like perhaps in the future to get involved into um, stage theatre. It's far more difficult than movie. Uh, once, because you really need to remember those lines. <laughs> there is, you can't stop. And then secondly, because of the interaction you have with the audience. It's more intimate. You see it there. They see you. Um, it's just a different feeling. And I truly love that. I think London is the, the best place to nourish that feeling, you know, the, the connection between the stage and the cast. So, yeah, I'm, I'm working on this and we will see. <laughs> I mean, I have some other projects as well, but, you know, some of them are secret. And I'm not, I'm not the kind of person who speaks openly about what I do. I like to keep my projects secret until they become tangible. Um, this is how it was with Star Wars as well. Because, you know, there is a lot of hard work behind the scenes. I hear you there. Have you thought about actually, and you talk about balancing technology and art, um, is is there, have you looked at, or maybe you're, you are doing this, of actually combining them and trying to find some balance internally, of trying to like combine the loves for the two? 
Yes, I mean, uh, I'm currently doing more, uh, hosting more events and online events for uh, uh, San Francisco um, technology company, which is great. It's great to interact with an international audience and present um, the technology we deliver to, to our clients, to, to them. And um, obviously acting and, you know, drama does, does help you in this role. And I would like to do, to do more of this, these events um, online or either, you know, um, live events. I hate, let's put it this way, I think just not to be misunderstood. I hate organizing events, but I love to host them and I love anything to, related to the other side. Yeah, those are two different mindsets too, though. I know people who are great at the organization, but would never want to get up there and talk. And I think there's just two sides of the brain kind of that fight each other in that realm. So I'm totally with you there. I I would, nobody would want me to host, like to uh, to organize an event. That's, that's for sure. <laughs> I, let's say, let's just put it that way, you know, no disrespect for people who love organizing events, you know, I truly admire them because you need to be so focused. But I find it, to be honest, a bit boring that you need to do the same things all over and over again. And I'm not the best friend of logistics. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. And now this is the part of the interview where we uh, like to introduce 10 questions that have never been asked of you before in an interview. They're a little weird, uh, a little different. Uh, feel free to roll through them as fast or slow as you please. And if you need to pass on any one of them, feel free to. Yeah, I, I do have to say that you, you, you mentioned that right off the bat, Scott. And I believe your first question may be the most generic question I've ever heard anybody ask ever. But please, uh, it continue. It seems fitting. All right. <laughs> it, it is. Question, just, this question is, number one. sets the tone. What is your favorite Star Wars movie? My favorite Star Wars movie, of course, is The Force Awakens. Yeah. <laughs> Better be. Yeah, I kind of figured the answer on that one, but we like we like to start with a nice softball, nice easy one to get get going. Jerry, <laughs> you uh, you have number two. Yeah, yeah, and getting uh, into your uh, love and slash my potential fear for technology, even though I, I do love technology as well. But uh, you know the apocalypse and all that. Um, so, which of the following future scenarios do you think is realistic for humankind? A future where robots and computers interact peacefully with humans, just like we do now, and we, you know, they're there to kind of serve us and we, you know, help us out. Uh, a future where we uh, live peacefully with robots but are treated more as like pets, uh, or like a Terminator scenario where we're flat out at uh, at war with computers and robots. Which of those do we have to look forward to? Okay, so I'll tell you the first option is not a viable option because first of all, I don't think. We live peacefully with technology. Why? Because some people simply don't understand technology mm -hmm. and you can get hurt. Let's put it that way. Yeah, just, you know, if you have a vacuum cleaner and you, um, your, you know, you have a vacuum cleaner, the Roomba, let's say, and it cleans your, your room and you have the child there, you know, it can hurt the child. And this is not a really peaceful, you know, situation here. And, you know, if, if, if you don't understand how to use technology, um, then we don't have this scenario. The second one, I think, is the most viable one. And why? Because, you know, I think um, we're not yet at the stage to create technology that is much faster than our ability to, to understand things. And I think only when technology will have that, you know, emotional intelligence... Um, and the ability to, to learn and to create things faster than the human race, that's when option three will come, you know, will become true. But I think for now, option B. Okay, great. That's perfect. I love the fact that you touched on all of them, actually, because it, it's, it's actually pretty in line with what I was thinking, too. But I, I, noticed, uh, I, I noticed some of your 
uh, technology related tweets. So I had to throw something in there about the future uh, of robot apocalypse. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> now this touches on an earlier question. Uh, Star Wars characters, no matter the size of their role, usually get an action figure. What was your favorite toy as a kid? Oh, unfortunately, as a kid, I did not grow with Star Wars toys. Oh, any, any toy, anything within the spectrum of what could be considered a toy. Okay, it was a little lion because I love animals. Ah, perfect. <laughs> and I was really, really sad when my mother actually took it away from me because she told me it's, it's just time to leave it behind. And I'm really sad. But, you know, I'm, I, I really love animals. And I had, as a child, I, I had lots and lots of animals. I had a deer. I had, you know, uh, ducklings. You name it. Everything you can think of. All right. I, I've got a bit of a connection there because uh, it, it tore me apart when I had a, a, a stuffed lion. It was a bigger one, like because I loved the big cats and I used to have like panthers and all that, you know, like a like a dweeb and whatever. Um, and I had uh, this giant stuffed lion, and it finally had to like my mom took it away because it was just like festering because it like got ripped and it was just one of those where I would have held on to it forever uh, and probably gotten poisoned by it or something. And she was <laughs> doing me the, like a favor, but it tore me apart when she finally said, "Sorry, is enough enough." I I don't think I could even wash it again. So I feel your pain there. I definitely feel yeah. your pain. Yeah, uh, it's exactly the same situation. But you know, funny thing is that my name, my family name, Leonte in Italian means comes from Il Leone, which means lion. So maybe there is a connection there. <laughs> all right. Um, if you have, uh, if you had a sandwich named after you, what would be in it? What would be in it? What cheese, would, oh. I love cheese. Okay. Don't don't uh. say lion. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just a big lion sandwich. Oh, when she said she loves animals, she meant something totally different, Scott. Yeah. Um, cranberry jam and spinach. Wow, interesting. So I love a, I love simplicity in food. That is all that of is that is great. Anna Maria Leonte right there. I believe all of that is in my fridge right now too. Go make get, go go make the uh, Anna Maria Leonte yeah. sandwich. All right, number five. What is your dream role in acting? Oh, my dream role in acting. I'm a big admirer of Natalie Portman. So I really love drama and I love, you know, this kind of niche uh, movies. Um, and I think I think my role, my my favorite role would be, you know, we had, it, it's very unfortunate, but we had, you know, lots of issues um, as a planet this year, you know, with the migrant crisis and everything that happened. So... You know, there, there are lots of people who move either for economic reasons or, you know, for because of a tragedy, because of an earthquake, etc. So I think the biggest, the biggest role of an actor and the most beautiful thing, you know, I left home when I was 14 for studies. And then, you know, when you're away from your family um, and you go to study, etc., there is a lot of drama, lots of emotions that accumulate and the, the, the most beautiful thing is to be able to share that with with an audience with your public so i think you know a role um, in a movie portraying this would be just amazing that that would be my my you know my dream role oh that's great uh well this next question is actually a little bit related to that but it's more about uh if you could go back in time and be on the set this could be you either started it acted in or anything of any movie that's ever existed uh what would that be um this is a, this is a, actually a question for you. I can't remember really well, but I think the name I really loved as a child, um, Natalie Portman, when she played, I think it was Leon. Yep, Leon the Professional. Right. Yes. Yes. Leon. 
Yes, that would be... When I was a child, I just fell in love with Natalie Portman because we had the same, the same hair, uh, haircut. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I, that, that would have been my, my favorite role as a child. So did, I would did, have loved to start doing this, you know, at a far earlier age. But, you know, it's never too late as long as you have the love and the passion to pursue your dreams. So was there a being that, I mean, it sounds like you were a, a fan of what Natalie Portman had done. I mean, did you make that connection when you were in the new Star Wars movie of like, well, this is, I mean, like make that connection of what she had done for the first, well, I should say the second three, the first three of the trilogy, uh, the, the Phantom Menace on? Yeah. Um, I mean, definitely I do admire her role in, I think she was very young when she actually shot for Star Wars. So, you know, that's something to admire, but I think... I grew up with Natalie Portman and for me it was like a role model it wasn't just a model you see on TV it was a role model because you know she's actually as a human being she comes across as a being a very warm kind person she really thinks about not only herself being on stage you know and performing and being there and giving autographs but behind that scene she really cares about animals she cares about you know other people and she's not embarrassed of her roots which i find you know amazing um and you know she she as well uh, you know, moved from another country, she moved to the US. And, you know, I really admire people who do, who try to combine, you know, she combined acting with so many other things. And I think, you know, this is something really admirable. Agreed, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased, but uh, as, as, a, as, a, as, as like a teenage guy, I obviously had a huge crush on Natalie Portman anyway from, you know, early yeah. teenage years. My own Natalie. Yeah, so. I could agree with that too. I mean, I followed most of her film career as well. Uh, v for Vendetta, correct? That was the one where she shaved her head? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I was still amazed by that role, like just going to that length for film. Yes, I okay. loved V for, for Vendetta. Actually, you know, she was very courageous in the scene where her hair is... Absolutely, yeah. Okay, um, let's see. Uh, we're moving on now to number seven. Uh, America is starting its presidential election process this week. Well, <laughs> for like two years we've been doing it, but you know, the yeah. real... The primary is all the real thing. Um, do you, as a European, have a favorite or at all? Are you following this at all? Do you know us? I could have guessed you're gonna ask me this question <laughs> yeah it's it's the timing if you if it been like three it's months or later or earlier yeah let's just put it this way i said i will never you know get involved into politics or stating my opinion publicly ever again because it can cause trouble Fair but enough. you know given my background and given you know my work um history and everything i have achieved i'm very opinionated when it comes to people you know in politics um and let's just say that my opinions would be rather closer to jj abrams rather than anyone else in terms of you know supporting whom in terms of politics in the u.s that is a very uh, coy and fair answer. <laughs> and you just put all the weight on JJ right there. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Be like, yeah, it's his fault if it's somebody you don't like. Balls um, in your court, JJ. Yeah, come on, come on, who is it? And uh, well, I, I, I would, I mean, I'm imagining as a, as a people uh, a lover, it seems like you're an empath and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to assume it's Donald Trump because he's uh, got such a big heart on him. And uh, that's just what I'm going to, yeah. We're going to, we're going to call it right here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying anything, but yes. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll take the hint. That's good. 
Yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we're going to get a little lighter here. This one hopefully won't be as controversial. Uh, you have one superpower that you can have for one day. What would it be? Oh, you know what? My mother always told me, I wish I was young with the, the mind uh, mindset I have now. And I never understood what actually she, she meant. But I think, you know what? If I was, let's say, 14, I would focus on, on, other, on other things. Um, I think I would do more, you know, drama related or perhaps I would, I would have traveled a little bit more if I could. But, you know, I think that would be my superpower going back in time. With, with the one. mindset I've, you've got now. Yeah. I've definitely had that thought myself. Like, would it be amazing to go back and redo high school, but with all the knowledge you've gained now? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm actually <laughs> like that. No, I went, um, I'm not sure if you're aware of grammar schools in London. Have you heard of the concept? Is it similar to our high a schools Catholic in America? School. It's a, it's a, I think it's very similar to a Catholic school. Oh, okay. It's a very yeah. strict school. Mm -hmm. So okay. I went to that kind of school in high school. And believe me, I did four years of Latin. And after you come out of high school, you dream about your Latin lessons. So I don't want to go back in time to my high school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yes, yeah, that's definitely enough. a different experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah I, I could def I've definitely thought about that. And it just makes me think about like, oh, okay, I guess I was way like, I was I was a dumb kid like you are, you know, like I thought I was a smart kid and I was maybe smart relative to them. But then I look now back at like the things I cared about. I'm like, oh, man, what an idiot, man. You should have been spending <laughs> your time doing this, this and this. But also those travels made me who I am today, which I actually uh, I actually appreciate. So I'm wondering if those experiences had been different. Would I be a different person? Blah, blah, blah. Getting down a rabbit hole. Moving on to another question. <laughs> so actually it's good you know to combine silly things in life with very serious things because you know you need to learn how to enjoy yourself the way you are and no one is perfect and you know accepting and embracing yourself the way you are I mean look at me I don't have the perfect accent people might say you know what is she talking about but I'm doing my best and I hope the audience will understand the interview <laughs> you talk you, you speak better than a lot of American you speak better American than a lot of American people we know we live uh, in, a, in a place where there's it's there's a lot of like really like well like intelligent people who speak really well and things like that but there's also a uh there's a certain level of hill folk that uh might not bother so much with the english language and uh so i gotta say i'm sure everybody's uh totally understanding you fine um, i think you've got a great accent so there's Thank my you. there's just me sucking <laughs> just sucking up at the end of the thing well, I, can, I concur entirely yeah there we go <laughs> <laughs> that's very kind of you thank you <laughs> now uh question number nine uh, you've had to endure two years of secrecy behind the role in Star Wars. What is your second longest running secret? Oh, I was thinking maybe if you asked me this question, but I was thinking I don't have any secret because I, I, I usually tell people don't share with me. I, I, I really mean it. I told my friends, you know, sometimes, you know, you have a friend and she doesn't get along with her boyfriend, but you know both of them. So you don't want to be involved. So I tell her and I tell him as well. Don't make the mistake to share with me your secret because it's really not fair on me to know this about the two of you. So you sort out your problem and I stay your friend. <laughs> <laughs> so the best best knowledge there is just don't have secrets and yeah. don't share other people's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if it's a secret about yourself, let's say, you know, if you have a secret project, but you know that if you reveal it, there is this saying actually that if you talk too much about a project, you're very, you're more unlikely to not achieve it. 
than if you keep it secret. And you know what? I kind of believe that. I bl- so, I'm there with you 100% because and I, I, I think a lot of it's mental. I feel like you could probably get out of that, but I it just seems so built into me. Like when I... Like I'll be, I, I do a lot of drawing, painting, stuff like that. And when I'm working on something, if somebody like people are like, oh, can I see what you're working on? And I like shroud it and I hide it under things. Cause I feel like the second somebody gets a glimpse, I'm like, well, it's done. Somebody saw it. So I guess I'll just, I won't finish it. So I've got like a whole uh, folder full of stuff. I just haven't finished because I feel like somebody saw it and now it's out in somebody's mind and it's done. It's like, it's, it's complete and it's too sorry. bad. So I just need to so, actually, sorry about yeah. that. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there's like, like you're over here like once a week usually, and and just looking at my stuff. So, uh, but I've I've got a little better about it. But I'm totally there with you. I feel like once it's out, somebody sees it, and you kind of like. Also, you want to wait to unveil it when it's perfect, and not that exactly. I want. Exactly. It's not that I want everybody to assume that like, oh, it just blossomed and it was perfect from the get go, and that's all I do is make great things. It's not a bad. I don't mind showing the process after the fact, but I just I want to be able to like know that when I put it out there, it's how I wanted it to be seen and perceived, and I'm getting my actual vision out as opposed to people seeing something that may not actually represent what I wanted to say. So. I'm there yes, I remember actually this. Um this 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 uh, discussion with my mother when i was a child i told her look i need a locker to my room and i was so serious and she couldn't understand why and i said whenever i draw something because at the beginning i told actually one of uh, dasha promentis fans on twitter that i wanted to to become uh, um to to draw for disney so i was drawing quite a lot and then i went into painting so i told her please do not interrupt me because the moment you knock at the door and then you come in the room all my creative process, it just runs away. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand what you're saying. And uh, is there a place, this is a little off off topic here, but is there a place where you, do you post uh, any of your like other artistic side stuff online anywhere where people can find it? Or is it, is it kind of, you're just holding it and every once in a while you leak something out someplace or? Yeah, I think, you know, the more, more artistic side, um, the paintings I did and I actually had a, um, a photo exhibition at the British Council and uh, Le Centre, the, the French Cultural Centre, I'm going to say it in English so that the uh, US audience can understand. Um, I do have those and I have uh, Facebook, you know, on my Facebook I post it more more often. I don't post it on Twitter, but I think I will do more on my Instagram profile. Um, and, you know, if people ask, oh, I'm happy right. to share it with them. Um, but now as an adult, I think more, I'm more interested in photography. I'm more inter- interested. I would love to know how to, you know, to create movies. And um, let's just put it this way. I have a secret project related to food. But, you know, it takes longer time. So, Well, we know we aren't going to press you to re- reveal any of it because we want it to actually happen. So, uh, <laughs> um, Well, okay. So that was not the last question, even though I did technically tuck one in there. That was just a curiosity of mine. But so I'm going to ask you the last uh, question right now. And this was just to see if I can get people listening uh, mad at me. Um, So uh, in 10 words or less, please explain the plot of Star Trek. Of Star Trek? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Because, you know, Star Wars, Star Trek, they, they just, they love each other. Yes, actually, you know what? I I really wish I saw Star Trek at the Royal Albert Hall here in London with a live orchestra. And I think if they did the same for Star Wars, it would be just amazing. Oh, that really would be, yeah. Yes, to see the movie. And you know what? Perfect synchronization as well. For me, I think, you know, when I was a child and even now as well as an adult, the background music matters a lot. Um, And... 
just seeing you know the the movie with a live orchestra is just amazing it's a totally different experience but coming back to to your question <laughs> oh i thought you were just gonna pivot and like avoid it that was it was gonna be i was like this is a beautiful pivot this is a beautiful pivot i was gonna give it to you but okay i'll, I'll let you answer it though this is a difficult one <laughs> you you could be as uh, as awkward or weird as possible too if you want you just be not as good as star wars boom and then just uh, yeah Wow! <laughs> oh, thank you for the suggestion. <laughs> that was the one I had in my head. I mean, I I I like Star Trek too. I'm one of those weird people. Who's, it, it, it doesn't fight about them, but uh, yeah. You do like it? Yes, I like Star Wars is my favorite though. So. Yeah, the the same here. Um, um, I don't know. I think Star Trek actually is more. Um, I think Star Wars is more accessible to to the audience than to the audience than Star Trek. I think Star Trek is a little bit, you know, further there away, and also because of the the cast. I mean, no offense to them, they look amazing. I Maybe mean, that's why <laughs> they look like yeah. models. <laughs> right? Yeah. Can I say it in uh, ten words? You can yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Star Trek is a good movie but less better than star wars perfect i like perfect it. i like it That's, <laughs> and, and it's, you also like toe the line so you wouldn't like make all the star trek people really mad so you yeah you it was much better than mine i was just ready to make everybody angry at me but uh, uh no i actually yeah. saw both of them yeah. and i think you know for uh for my generation at least i think star wars does you know it creates more culture as well Mm -hmm. um, and it does inspire more because you know it's it's about that um, theme of family or friendship that we all have in in our lives. I always felt there was a there's the space fantasy and the sci science fantasy of of Star Wars. It's the same thing I got when watching like the labyrinth growing up in these like you know these uh, Jim Henson films and stuff of like the the warmth and the fantasy versus Star Trek, which uh, I wouldn't say is cold or anything because there's definitely a lot of stuff there, but it's definitely more science. Fiction well, the, there is that clear fantasy. divide. Yeah. yeah, Star Trek is science fiction and Star Wars is fantasy. Right, space fantasy. It's beautiful. Yeah. But both good, both very good. But uh, as we heard there, um, Star Trek just a little not as good as Star Wars, folks. So. Yeah, I think there is actually more love in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And w when I say more love, I'm talking about, you know, the characters, the way they interact. Um, also, people's experiences on set. I mean... Just thinking, I, I've seen some of the JJ's um, interviews regarding Star Wars, and he actually said that the main idea was to take this, you know, slightly unknown actors and have them on set for Star Wars. Because, you know, then you create this culture of these actors that you don't, haven't seen them before. Whereas, you know, with Star Trek, it's not the same feeling. You know, what you see in Star Wars, it feels home. Star Wars is your home. Star Trek is somehow a bit more corporate, I think, a bit distant. Uh, but then again, you know, they, they are both good movies. And, you know, for someone who loves the cinema, they are, you know, good good to be seen. Absolutely. Both of them. No, well people said. That people was should not have to decide. That's, that's exactly it. Love what you love, <laughs> folks. Yes, correct. All right. Uh, I think that brings us to a wrap. Um, Anna Maria, thank you very much for joining us today and talking Star Wars for a little bit. Thank you very much for having me and uh, um, for everyone who would like to ask me more questions, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, would you like to give your uh, Twitter address or Instagram address or any others for anyone who wants to find you? Um, yes, for Twitter it's Anna Maria with one N, uh, Leonte, L-E-O-N-T-E. And for Instagram, 
I'm looking right now because it's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's Anna Maria, the same with one M. Leonte with double T, L-E-O-N-T-T-E, uh, one word. All right, and we'll post that also in our show notes for everybody if you just want a quick link to that. Thank All you right. very Great. much. Thank you. We appreciate you coming on our show. Great. Thank you very much as well for synchronizing with me. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. London time. No problem. All right. Um, thank you once again to Anna Marie Leonte for sitting down with us and talking. That was an amazing interview, it I must say. Very enjoyable. I'm actually uh, I learned quite a bit. Actually, it was very nice. I appreciate hearing you guys talk about all that. Um, it, uh, it, it. I have not quite seen the movie yet, but uh, I believe in about four to ten years, it's supposed to make its way across uh, the sea to uh, Australia. So I'm really happy about that. All right. And uh, speaking of Australia, this week, because you're here in studio, it makes the most sense to just dive right into dingo droppings. Dingo droppings. All right. There we go. There we go. It's my, it's, it's my uh, little theme music there. Um, really now, you brought us a story this week. Yes. Uh, it's it's not exactly... I mean, it's it's kind of new there. It's uh, a little... I was, we could have talked about it over the holidays, but everybody's uh, busy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's been getting a little bit of attention uh, stateside, so I figured, hey, you know, bring it up. It's a good time to do it, isn't it? And I'm talking about Stoner Sloth. Do you know Stoner Sloth? I do know Stoner Sloth. That thing is going viral it's, hard right now. It's right. And really what it is is... Uh, is you're not supposed to do uh, marijuana because it's bad for you, and uh, and I think that's it. So thank you for tuning in to uh, the Lost at Home podcast. My name is Dingo. <laughs> I think there's a little more to it than that. Yes, I mean, I'm just for, kidding. For, yeah, I'm just trying to for, fill in uh, some big shoes. Actually, from Jeremiah, he's actually got tiny shoes. Uh, probably small penis too. Very very small feet. Yep, you know what that means. Hard of him, hard of him to hard uh, to balance when uh, with his large penises uh, weighing him over there. Like an awkward pendulum. Where's the pendulum? Oh, it's a, th- it's a, never mind. Oh, it's his penis. Yeah, Cox will get to your country someday. It's, it's a, yeah, it's a different, it's a, a language barrier. So, uh. Oh, yes, that's quite fine. Um, all yeah, right. So yeah. Stoner Sloth hit the internet like a sledgehammer hitting a glass window. Or like it, a sledgehammer hitting a sloth, which is terrifying. It's horrible. Why would you even say that? Well, have you ever done it? No, I don't. Why are you mimicking I'd, it right I'd now? I'd say I'd say don't knock it till you try it. But uh, you know, if you try why it, why are you making sledgehammer dropping hand motions as we're talking? Oh, it's just uh, it's just why I like to talk. I like to be very strong with my hands. Uh, it's cut runs with my family, and also I hate sloths, so it's good to smash them with a hammer every once in a while. So. Well, yeah. um, that's that's not where I thought the conversation was going to go. But you've seen these videos, correct? Oh, uh, this with that where Jeremiah would talk about Mister Batting. Cause, uh, no, I, I, no, the Stoner Sloth videos. Ah, okay. It, oh, oh, well, yes, oh, 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 they're very interesting. Um, and and they're, they're kind of like to keep the kids off of the marijuana, which is a very bad drug. And uh, you know that marijuana in Australia kills exactly uh, 40 million people a year? That That's a startling I, I almost, if you, almost it, it almost sounds made up as far as statistics go. I saw, I, I saw a number 40 on my screen, and I decided to add a bunch of zeros to it. Uh, I actually don't know the statistics, but I'm guessing they're very bad because the uh, 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 New South Wales uh, police have actually put out this kind of PSI. They, they're very, very concerned about it, which tells me uh, it's got to be bad. Uh, you know, they kill marijuana. Uh, stoned king snakes, king snakes that have smoked marijuana, actually kill 40 million times as many people as regular king snakes. Huh. How, how are snakes smoking marijuana without their hands? Well, mostly we find them and we stick joints in the mouth and we laugh, have a little laugh, and then they get angry and they bite us. Forty million so, times more than often. 
Yeah. So that sounds like a fair level of comeuppance for what sounds like yeah, probably. low-level animal abuse. Yeah, absolutely, probably, yeah. I mean, I think most of the times we're fucking with snakes, we pretty much deserve what's coming to us. Uh, I'm there with the snakes on this one. Now, were you listening when Jared and I, uh, a while back, talked about uh, on our show, had we ever seen a condom put on a snake before? Ha- have you, Bruce Bruce? Have I ever put a condom on a snake? Yeah, for fun, for for laughs. Well, for, for all types of reasons. There's a lot of reasons to do it. One, your mum asks you. That's a big one. Sometimes you got to do what your mum says. She says, put a condom on that snake. I says, why? She's like, you'll find out. Uh, you just watch the internet later, and you'll find out very well indeed. So she's got a Pornhub channel. It's called Pornhub slash Aussie slash uh, Snake in the Pussy. And uh, that's my mom's uh, Pornhub channel. You can check it out there. And uh, so that's the only time I actually ever did it. Uh, I thought about doing it for fun, but then I had a flashback about putting a snake up my mom's cooney. So I decided to do it and uh, just curl up in a ball and cry about that one instead. Fair enough. Um, and also, I think we've gotten a little off topic. Uh, Stoner Sloth. Right, yes. Uh, now, uh, now drugs, for the, bed. Yeah, for the listener, um, if you haven't seen the videos, we'll put a link in our show notes on uh, lostandownpodcast.com. Uh, that's our main website for all of our featured stories and audio links. Uh, but in the meantime, we could play an audio clip, but there's not a lot of audio to these. Usually they revolve around a family doing something where one of the family members is, you know, a sloth, because that makes sense, and they're stoned. And uh, the family has a hard time dealing with them and their slow, lethargic behavior. Because, you know, as far as the world of drugs go, being slightly slow and lethargic is literally the worst thing anyone on any drug could ever do. Yes, it's it's crazy because uh, when bath salts actually made it to Australia, we were very relieved because we were able to give those bath salts to all the stoners and they just become kind of like normal people. Because normally, like, this bath salt to make everybody batshit crazy, or like the meth or something like that, but we gave them to our stoners, in a, and, and they just turned out like normal people. They got great jobs, stockbrokers, all that kind of stuff. So I'm just telling you right now, like, if, if you've got a problem with the marijuana, uh, or the problem with the bath salts, you mix the other one in. Turns the people right, the, the nice square people, perfect, great. And uh, 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 Scott, I don't know if you realize what the joke here is, but the joke here in the, in the commercial is uh, sliced by the very nature, very slow. And, uh, on, oh, no, no. And I, on I, drugs, I, I, uh, it, it, they can make them even slower. So Oh, so the joke isn't that people are slow on pot. It's that sloths are even slower on pot? Well, uh, probably. Oh, it, wait, is the entire PSA just not to get your sloth high? Well, yeah, it's okay if you do it. Just don't get animals high. Oh. We already found out oh. by the king snakes what kind of rigmarole that caused. Yeah, you know, actually gets... makes a whole lot more sense. It's actually a quasi uh, animal abuse ad. Oh, I feel yeah. I feel like people are actually uh, misinterpreting it and trying to think that we're all a bunch of kooks. Don't want you to smoke the marijuana, which we don't necessarily, unless you got the bath salts too. Even you out, very good. Stockbroker, all that kind of stuff. I just said recently, and uh, but really the sloths though, they they take it really bad. We got a really big problem. They're falling out of trees, taking naps. Uh, getting behind the wheels of cars, and usually it takes uh, you, you've got to pass a couple of drug tests to get a, a car as a uh, and a license as a sloth, uh, and, and now they're feeling them all over the place. We got uh, 20% less sloths behind the wheel now because so many of them are failing the drug test. So this is really just make sure you you, you keep your sloth safe uh, and don't don't smoke them up with any weed. Check the drawers, check the sock drawer. Yeah, the, uh, the, the the campaign, I mean, it's probably doing wonders for the sloth community, but for us humans, uh, the, the, the North, what is it, New South Wales? Right, yes, uh, there is, yep. Th- that made the ads. They're actually facing a little bit of mockery right now because no one's taking the ad seriously. Yeah, I've they, seen they, that. It's, be, it's they've gone viral angry. quickly for how stupid they are. Angers me, angers me to no end, yes. 
And also, the National Cannabis Prevention and Information Center in Australia is completely distancing itself from these ads because literally they're like, yeah, they, they don't speak to what we're doing at all. Not even slightly. Well, they're more concerned about the general cannabis problem, and it's not very sloth-specific. So I think that's actually half the problem is you know, they've never been really on the side of the sloth, and now they see big sloth that's coming out, and they're, 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 they're gathering the airways, and they're, you know, they're buying up the time and everything like that, and now there's general, like, and this isn't the first time it's ever happened. Uh, it's funny, like, years ago before the internet, it's too bad it wasn't around, because uh, Cannabis Kangaroo, he was a big one. He was there, uh, and he was like, oh, I've got to hop around and, and share all my cannabis with the children, and then he kicked a kid's face and he died. One, a kid died of a, of a cannabis kangaroo, and that was... I think I saw that ad. Wasn't it with a pouch full of joints? Yeah, it was a pouch full of joints, and the kid says, Hi, cannabis kangaroo, can I have any joints? Just stay the fuck away from my joints, you little bastard. And he kicked him right in the face. Bashed his brains out. You know, the, the kangaroo actually has more torque than a, than a uh, Harley Davidson behind its legs. and can actually do some serious damage to a child's head, as you found uh, out in that PSA. They were still in it for a long time, actually. did a lot of wonders for the, the kangaroo community. I'm assuming especially high. Yes. Well, I mean, what else don't you do better high? Um, pass the salt. I, I feel like that's a loaded question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah. Speaking of pass the salt, actually, uh, what made this whole ad campaign kind of remarkable is the fact that it went viral so quickly. And I think it was within 18 hours there were already 13 parody videos on YouTube. Uh, one of my favorites that I saw was they redubbed it so it was a uh, like sodium awareness ad in the in the video the sloth is passing the salt and gets confused because of uh, yeah, that, marijuana that actually and passes the salad and it actually is a much better ad when he won't pass the salt because he loves you too much well that actually uh the actually uh you've you got a little bit back was there um really what it was is uh we tend to have a little bit of a lower budget than you americans and you get a slash you know money all over the place for your ads uh that was actually intentionally reused for the uh for the sodium campaign the anti-sodium campaign in in Australia, so that was actually intentional. Uh, so that was big sodium coming to the table and, and trying to shut that down by making it seem like it was American parody, but actually that was very intentional. Are you smoking weed right now? Uh, my kangaroo is. If you see him there. Oh, well, I just, I, yeah, I see something over to the corner. I see some smoke. Yeah, that's my kangaroo. Uh, he's he's doing that. He's actually opening up his new koala box, which I told you not to get. I told you it was a bad investment. What do you got? Yeah, another dead koala. What do you think it was going to be this time? There's another dead koala. Get back in your joint cage. Get back in... He's not even listening to me. What's a joint cage? It's a place where you smoke joints. Oh, it's not a cage made of joints? Well, I mean, yeah, you smoke your cage. It's a big thing. If you didn't go to jointcage.com? No, there's so many cultural differences. There's so many different things in crates and boxes and cages. I just can't keep all of them... Uh, yeah, so go to jointcage.com and, uh, and, and buy a joint cage for your kangaroo. He can smoke it down. If you've got a kangaroo, cannabis kangaroo, anyway, if you're lucky enough to have one of those, uh, which not everybody is, apparently they've uh, they've done away with that campaign. This guy just won't leave me. Leave me alone! Get back in your cage! Oh, you smoked it! Very well, then. We'll get you another cage. <laughs> All right, well... Um, he's having a glass uh, with that dead koala, though. <laughs> he's just throwing oh, it around wait. like a football. No, he, he turned it into a bong. Never mind. <laughs> All right, well, it sounds like you've got your hands full over there. Ten so. things you can do with a, a dead koala. That's the next, uh, what do you got it over there? Called BuzzFeed, right? Yeah, the next yeah. Uh, BuzzFeed idea. Ten things you can do with your dead koala. <laughs> it's not, it definitely, uh, it's not It's not just culturally specific. You know, everybody in America will get it. You'll understand. One of the, number one's making a bong out of it for your cannabis kangaroo in his joint cage. 
<laughs> well, I'm definitely looking forward to that and anything else you can bring us in the future. Thank you very much, Bruce Bruce, for being on the show. Absolutely. Uh, you know, Timmy, I, I, I hope to catch up with Jeremiah uh, before I leave. But uh, if I don't, tell him I said hello. Uh, good interview once again. Uh, really, it's it, it was great hearing it. I'm really looking forward to seeing that movie. It's uh, it's got everybody's talking about it in uh, in Australia, and uh, I'm imagining it's very good. Now, uh, where can they find you if someone wants to look you up on Twitter? Well, I've got ang- at Dingo Droppings. Thanks to you guys. You guys actually got me started on that. And uh, and hopefully I'll keep uh, uh, chiming in on the show from time to time. Yep. And you can find Jer at Sonic Jalopy and uh, myself at The Lost at Home. You can also go to uh, lostathomepodcast.com. There you can find all of our past shows and even separated clips, musical bits. And we have a store. If you click on the store link, you can go buy a shirt, a mug, you know, things, things and stuff, stuff that helps the show. Uh, besides that, uh, make sure to tune in next week and uh, keep listening. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody.
But you don't know how long I've been Watching the light 